Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, what is your life about? What's your life about? Um, there's in the news recently, uh, there is Prince Charles, right? You know his full name? Charles Philip Arthur George Mountbatten Windsor. He was born as royalty. He was born into the, the lineage of the king. He was, that's, that's what his birthright led him toward. His, but this is his identity, okay? He was born in the world. This is who he is. And now he is King Charles III, right? His identity who he was has determined what his life is about when it comes to his role as the king. And as near as we could tell, over the years, he's embraced that role. He's embraced his identity and who that is and what it means in his life and has lived his life accordingly. Now it's brought him to this place in life. Well, you know, that's, that's a, a lot the same way it is for you and I. You know, we were born somebody and that had a lot of determination what our lives would be about. But when we came to Jesus Christ, something changed, didn't it? And so we ask this question for you and I, what is your life about? And there might be little, lots of things to say, our job and all this kind of stuff, but there's something below all of that. What is your life about? Well, here's the reality, that your true identity in Christ determines what your life is about. That's the reality. That day when you received Jesus as Savior and you were born again and you received a new identity and you were put in Christ and all those things that are true about you because you were put into Christ and what your destiny now is and what God wants to do in your life, that is what your life is ultimately about. It, it's underneath every other aspect of your life and it should be over every other aspect of your life. And so, the Apostle Paul, in the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today, is talking about this. He's, he's actually talking about what he prays for, but what he's praying for is that their lives would be about what God wants their lives to be about. And so we're talking today about what's your life about, and we're not going to talk so much about um, whether or not your life is, is equaling what it's supposed to be about, but I want you to understand what is it supposed to be about? And actually what it is about, whether we're succeeding at it or not. Whether we're really wholeheartedly with it or we're just partly or we aren't all for some reason right now in our lives. We want to see what are our lives really about? Because I, 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 I keep finding myself trying to say, what are our lives supposed to be about? I want to say that's, that's not it. No, it's what are our lives about? And then we need to ask ourselves the question, are we living that way, right? And so once again, as Paul prays for these Colossians, um, he isn't praying for them about their circumstances in life. 
He isn't praying for them about their fulfillment. He isn't praying about um, just any of the kinds of things that we're so quick to pray for. He wasn't praying for them about their health. Not that any of those things are wrong. But he says, man, I'm praying for something bigger than that for you. I'm praying for you that your life would match what God says your life is about. And so the bottom line that he's bringing them to, again, is this theme that we're going to see as we go out throughout Colossians. And that is found in verse 18 when he says that in all things he, Christ, might have the preeminence. His intention is that in our lives and what our lives are about, he should have that preeminence. So let's take our Bibles and consider what your life is about. Turn to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, I think it's what, page 1352. What your life is about. In verse 9, he says this. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it. For this reason. What reason? Well, he's going back and talking about what we looked at last week. Your identity in Christ. That you have come to know Christ. Your, your pastor has told me about this. And now you know Christ. And this is your identity. And we talked about that last week. What our identity is in Christ. And he says, for this reason. Because of your identity in Christ, I've begun praying for you. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And I want you to see what he's praying about here. There's two things. Um, first, uh, it's urgent. Because when did he start praying? The day he heard about it. He starts praying for them. Because this is so important, that their lives would be about, that their lives would begin to match what God says their lives are about. Okay, and second thing, this idea, we do not cease to pray for you. This matters. This is ongoing. And it's, it's going to be just as important if we have 10 more years here, just as important 10 years from the day it is now. Okay, so he says, I'm praying for you. And so he begins telling us what he's praying for. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So let's pray. Father, I pray that as Paul has prayed for these things, for the Colossians and, and then for us, I pray, Father, that you'd speak to us today, that we would open our hearts and minds to hear from you. And we would already settle in our hearts and minds that we're going to say yes to you. Even if we're troubled, even if we're challenged, we're going to say yes to you and trust you because we do want our lives to be about what you say they're supposed to be about. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what is your life about? In this passage of Scripture, four things we see. He says that your life is about his purposes. 
Okay, that's there in verse number nine. Verse number 10, he says, your life is about his pleasure, about God's pleasure. And verse number 10, it's about God's power. And then verse number, uh, I got my numbers off there, whatever. Verse 12, our gratitude, our gratitude toward the Lord. So let's, let's dig into these a little bit. Let's talk about his purposes in our lives. Our lives are supposed to be about his purposes. Well, what, what is God's purpose in your life? Well, we find it here, and it's not spelled out in all the details, but he says this in the middle of verse 9, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of what? What? Nope, doesn't say God there. That's his will. His will. What he's doing. What he wants you to do in, in your life. What his plans and purposes are. So his purpose is the will of God found. Well, let me, before I go on. When we think about God's will, oftentimes people think, well, what does that mean? What am I supposed to do with my life? You know, am I supposed to, to marry this person? Am I supposed to take this job? Am I supposed to move to that place? And those are all aspects of God's will. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But there's a part of God's will, the first aspect of God's will, that is the same for me and you and the same for every one of us here today, the same for every Christian that ever has lived or ever will live, the same for every person who doesn't even know the Lord yet, His will is found in the word of God, right? That's what we mean. This is, he's told us how to live. He told us what to do. So these are the things like, there is a, a sense in which, what are we supposed to believe? How are we supposed to view the world? God has what? Revealed that to us in his word. It's, it's will that we begin to see the world the way he says it is. He has put into his, his word a morality, how are we supposed to live our lives? What is right? What is wrong? We're supposed to do that. He's put into his word. How are we supposed to relate to him? How are we supposed to relate to other people? How are we supposed to relate to our brothers and sisters in Christ? That's all his will for all of us. And so this, the word is full of that, isn't it? I mean, it's just from beginning to end, we can learn uh, to see things the way God says they are. And, and the way God says they are is really the way they are. So that's what he's inviting you into. You know, his will that you would see it that way and that you would live according to the principles and the morality and whatever instructions, the commandments to do, to not do, all of that. That is the same will for all of us. And, and Paul is saying here, I'm praying that you'd be filled with that knowledge. That it would fill you up. That you would find... You know, do you ever find yourself from time to time realizing that you haven't seen something right? You know, there are a few key places in my life where some big things happen like that, but that does happen to us. But what we want to get is to where we are, are so filled with the knowledge of his will, like we're talking about from the word of God, that that happens less and less and less. Because more and more we're seeing things right and we're living right and making good and wholesome choices and things that honor the Lord in the way we live our lives, okay? So the will of God found in the word of God. And if you're going to be filled with this, what do you have to do? You have to be where in your life? You have to be in the word. You have to spend time in the word. You have to take in the word. You have to, you know, consume it. In a, in a good and positive way. So I'm giving you a challenge. Some of you may have already seen it on Facebook today. A Bible reading challenge just for the next four weeks. From now till October 30th. Four 
weeks, 28 days. And here's the challenge. I want to challenge you. You can do one of three things, actually one of four. But first one is to read the whole New Testament. Um, 260 chapters. You can do it about 10 chapters a day, and you'll have a couple days off at the end of the month. Okay? Um, and it'll take you about a half an hour a day to do that. Oh, that seemed like maybe a kind of a significant. Uh, but there's probably a half an hour. You could probably find a half an hour if you wanted to, all right? But maybe you don't want to do that. Instead, read one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, okay? You can do that probably in three to five minutes a day because you're talking about a chapter a day or in Mark's case, half a chapter a day and then two days read a whole chapter. Okay, it's not that much. So read one of the Gospels. Read Colossians each week. We're, we're going to be in Colossians until December. And so read Colossians once a week. And let God really fill you up with understanding of the things he's talking about in the book of Colossians. That'll take you three to five minutes a day. Or come up with your own plan, right? Develop, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read. Do something because how are we going to be filled with the knowledge of his will that he's revealed in his word if we don't get into the word? So I'm asking you to do this, okay? Maybe you're already reading something. Fine, consider that your plan. If you're able to, get there on that Facebook post and our events and announcements and say, hey, here's what I'm reading, okay? And, and I'll be, as we go through the month, trying to give you some encouragement there. And, uh, but let's do this. Take the challenges. So his, the purposes, the first aspect of his will is the will of God found in the word of God. But then there, go ahead if you would, there you go. And so now the next thing that we have to figure out, though, is how does that will apply in the specific details of my life? How does that apply? Okay, because we know, okay, do this, don't do this, here's this principle, all this kind of stuff. We need to learn, if we're going to be filled with the knowledge of his will, we also need to understand how the word of God then applies in this specific area of my life, in these circumstances that have arisen. How does it do? So how do we get that? Well, he tells us here, look, he says, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, and he says, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why do we need wisdom? We have it just what it says, just do what it says. Well, he gives us the, the main truths, the principles, the commands, and then we have to figure out how to do it in our lives. And guess what we need? Wisdom. And we need spiritual understanding in order to be able to apply this to our lives. So how do you get wisdom? How do you get wisdom? Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to surrender to God's wisdom. James talks about this. He says, if you need wisdom, you go to God. You ask God. He'll give you the wisdom. And he says, but this. He says, you got to ask in faith. Asking faith, what does that mean? What he's really saying is you have to be willing to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust your wisdom. Whatever you reveal to me is from your wisdom. I'm going to do. It's not about, you can't stand before God and say, God, what's your wisdom about this? Let me know so I can evaluate it and see if I like it or if I want to do something else. Right? That's not what we're talking about. If you want God's wisdom, you have to go to God and say, God, it's your wisdom I need. Would you give it to me? And he will work in your life. Second thing you want to do is you want to meditate on God's word. You're getting into God's word. And it's not just reading the words. It's about thinking about that. And what does that mean? Maybe having a conversation with God about it. You know, God help me to understand how this applies in my life. And then seek godly counsel from mature Christians. The more important the decisions you're making, 
the more you ought to really get some good godly counsel. And they may just confirm exactly what you're thinking, but they may not, okay? And if they don't, then you go back and seek the Lord some more. So God will give you wisdom. How does this work, Lord? What do I do? You know, this is, uh, God, I, you know, I see in your word that you tell me I need to be a good steward of the money that you have given me. And there are things that you say in your word. So what should I do here? How much should I put for this? How much should I put for that? Lord, you say I should give to your work. How much should I be giving there? We're looking for wisdom, right? To, and so uh, if you're having a problem at work, situations and how people are acting, what do you want to do? And so, you know, you also take a deep dive into the book of Proverbs, right? The whole book devoted to wise thinking and learn those things. So you're going to seek God about those things in counsel. And then he says, spiritual understanding. And so there's a spiritual dynamic to this. The wisdom tends to be more intellectual, the way we process it. There's a, certainly God's at work in that, but you know what I mean? It's more of a, how does this look? How does, and we're trying to apply the word, and it's a lot of intellectual. But we need a spiritual dynamic in this too. And so how are we going to get spiritual understanding? Well, we're going to pray. We're going to talk to God. We're going to say, you know, God, here I am. I, I need your help. What am I supposed to do? How do I do it? I don't think I can do that. So how are you going to help me to do it? <laughs> Whatever. And, and we continue. But we have a conversation with God and, and an ongoing conversation with God. And as we do, we're interacting with the Holy Spirit. And he can give us some insight as we do that. Ask the Holy Spirit to shape and direct your thinking. Ask him specifically. Lord, please help me to think right about this thing. You know, help me to see it right. Because sometimes it might be everything looks good and clear and you, it all makes sense and you think you got it figured out. And the Holy Spirit, you may just have this confirmation that, yeah, I, I think this is what I need to do. And you go do it. Sometimes you may have all of this all figured out and all of a sudden you, you just have a sense in you that, Something isn't right here yet. You know, something isn't jiving. God's holding me back here. So you have a spiritual understanding and so you don't act until he clears that up for you in some way. And so we want this, uh, to know his word, we need to know the information to get the worldview, to get the principles, uh, the commands, and then we need to get his wisdom to see how that works in our lives. And then we need this spiritual dynamic to have this confidence that the Lord is indeed leading me. This is his will for my life. Now, I don't know if you're like me or not. I very seldom get to 100% on that. Maybe that's just me. I can be the, you know, a little bit of a doubter. How do I know for sure? How do I know a way, you know? And, and, but here's the deal. What you're going to do at that point is you embrace Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in your decision making. You've done everything you can know to do. You don't really have a spiritual, you know, the, the, you don't feel like the Holy Spirit's telling you stop. And so you make the best decision you know how. Well, what is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Okay. I'm trusting you, God. I've done everything I know to do. I'm going to trust you. Lean not on your own understanding. Oh, that one scares me. But wait a minute, no, I've looked at his word, I have wisdom, I've got counsel, I, I know. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I want to do what God wants me to do. 
And then he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Okay, God, the best I know how, I'm, I'm acknowledging you in every aspect of this. And then he says, what? He will direct your path. He will lead you. He'll work in your life. And, and if you got it right, bang, off you go. What if you, what if you did get it wrong? He will what? He will direct your path. He'll get you where he wants you to go. Your heart's in the right place. You surrender to him. You're moving. He can get you where he wants you to go. Okay? So, but this is the idea. We want to be filled with his will, the knowledge of his will. So it's his purposes. And so the will of God found in the word of God and then how that will applies to you in his life. Those are his purposes in your life. And the second thing we want to look at now is his pleasure. His pleasure. Let's look at this verse, verse 10. He says, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. But this idea of fully pleasing him. He says, walk worthy of the Lord in such a way that that is what's happening. But when we think about pleasing God, man, who knows what all could come into our minds depending on what our backgrounds are and our experiences in life. But when we're talking about his pleasure, that can sound a little weird, maybe. But here's a simple definition, first definition of pleasure. It's a feeling of happy satisfaction and enjoyment. When God looks at you and watches you in life, would you like him to experience a sense of pleasure? Now, he already does at the very beginning because he loves you. We know he loves you, right? He sent his son to die for you. We, we know that. But I'm talking about our responses to life, our decisions in life, our attitudes in life, how we interact with people, that God would be pleased with that. And that being pleased that he would experience some pleasure with that. Um, Let me make sure here I want to... It talks about walking worthy of him and bringing him pleasure. This does not mean that you have to keep trying to measure up. You may have grown up with a parent, one or more parents, who weren't very happy in life, right? And as a kid, you may have kept trying to make them be happy with you, and it just didn't work, and you worked harder, and you tried, and finally maybe you just said, forget it, and you you rebelled and went and did your own thing. Or you may have had other authority figures in your life and you feel like, I never quite measure up. I got to keep trying. That's not what he means when he says walking worthy of the Lord. Not at all. What we're talking about walking worthy is the fact of what has God done in our lives? Man, we'll talk more about that in a minute, but what has he done in our lives? And, And how would I live if I really believed that? That's what we're talking about. It's free to live this way, not, oh, I always got to try to earn it. It's, it's like this. If you can imagine, let's say that you had so much debt in your life 
that you could see there's absolutely no way I could ever pay it off and you feel crushed beneath that bet, uh, debt. And let's assume that I have the ability to take care of that debt for you. Now, I personally probably don't, but let's plan, okay? So I had the ability to lift this debt for you and to take it away from you. And I actually, because I love you, I do it. I remove the debt. And I don't say, oh, now you've got to earn it and you've got to pay me back. No, you, don't bother trying to pay me back. You could never pay me back if you wanted to. Don't, don't bother. What I would like you to do is I would like you to, to spend some time with me. I'd like you to get to know me. I, th I think I'd like you to end up loving me as I love you. And, and I'd like you to join in my work. Come help me with what I'm doing in life and, and all that. But, okay, so when do I have to show up? Well, that's your call. Well, how, much, how many hours a week do I got to do this? It's up to you. You're free. But do you think you would be motivated to get to know this person, to get to know me? Would you? Would you think you might want to come along and be a part of what I'm doing? And you might grow to love me, right? All of these things. And so that's the way this idea of walking worthy of the Lord is. Because that's what he's done for us, isn't it? He's taken away our sin debt. Uh, we, we could never have paid it. We can't repay it. It's absolutely impossible. And yet he's called us to, to come to know me, get to know me. Fall in love with me, work with me, serve me, become like me. And so we're free to do that. And so when we're thinking about bringing God pleasure, uh, pleasing him, it's, it's not about this heavy weight and that we're trying to somehow rather earn it at all. It's much more like this. When we think about God finding pleasure in us, it's much more like little kids. Parents with their children, okay? You think about little kids and what they do. They don't, you know, when you, they're first born, they don't really pay much attention to you, do they? You know, a little bit here and there on the way by. And, and then one day they go, they look at you. And, and as a parent, what do you probably do? You smile, don't you? You smile. And then one day, all of a sudden, the kid's scooting. And you do what? You smile. And, and then all of a sudden, one day, he's trying to stand up, you know, and he falls down, but he's, he's making progress, and you smile. Right? All these things. And then someday, they're older, and they can talk, and uh, sometimes, usually that's a good thing. They can talk, and, but then they start to act in ways, they, they're actually making decisions and how, what they're approaching, how they're interacting with people. And when they do that well, you what? You smile. Now, are these kids doing anything extraordinary? I mean, in some ways you might argue, yeah, but I'm saying they're just what, very normal to what it means to be a kid, isn't it? To what it means to be a kid growing up. And I want to say to you that when you and I, like when I'm in the Word and all of a sudden I see something, I get it and I go, oh, wow. Okay, that, that kind of changes how I think about this. I think God smiles. And when I, they take a little step of faith and, and obey him and trust him to do it, I think God smiles. Um, 
Now see, this, this is what God is with us. Now, I don't want you to get this picture that God is this doting grandfather who, because he isn't. He's a father who takes very seriously our upbringing. And he's a father who, who protects us and who warns us and will discipline us and all that kind of stuff. But along the way, we can live in ways that are really pleasing to him and that bring him pleasure. We can make God smile. And I think that's part of what our lives are about. And that's what Paul prays for them in. And as we do that, then we become fruitful in our, in our lives, in our working, and we bring honor and glory to the Lord. All right, so let's talk about his power now. The next verse, he says that we should be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. And I, I probably don't need to belabor this one too much um, because if you think about your own life, if I said, what's your life you know, about? And you say, Are we okay, this is what God says it's about, all that kind of stuff. And I think about it and I go, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Anybody besides me feel like that way sometimes when you really think about what your life, God says it's about, and then you think of how you're actually living, you're in trouble. Yeah. And then you think of your track record. Hey, I think I've been here lots of times. I, I don't have what it takes to, to make this change and to be this way. I don't have what it takes. Well, if you feel that way, congratulations. You just made a big growth step. And I think when we realize I don't have what it takes, I can't do this on my own, that maybe that brings God some pleasure because now we're getting to a place where he can do something in our lives. And so we need his power, his strength to do the things that we can't do. And this idea that, wait a minute, I, I don't have the strength to do what I need to do. I need the Lord was transformative for the Apostle Paul. When he found himself in a situation with a problem that he, he couldn't get rid of and couldn't resolve, most likely a health problem, but we're not sure. And so he says this, he says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord that it might depart from me. God, please take this from me. And he said to me, my grace is, what's the next word? Sufficient, Sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now stink. He said, my strength is made perfect. It's, you see it in its fullness. It's when, when you are weak that my strength comes into play. And so Paul continues. Here's how it changes thinking. He says, therefore, I will most gladly rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, right? Okay, if that's the case, if, if I get God's strength when I'm weak, then I want to embrace my weakness. I need the strength. I'm not one to stay weak. But I'm going to embrace my weakness because that's where God's strength is. And then he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And so the idea is we're talking about my life. I need to get my life to match what my life is supposed to be about. I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. Oh, God, help me. I just, I can't do this on my own. I need you. He will do it. And another time Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, who what? Strengthens me. That's right. Who strengthens me. So how do we get his power then? 
I, I think it's, it's really pretty straightforward and simple. Here's how we get his power. That is, I'm looking at a situation in my life where God says I ought to do this. And I look at that and I don't say, I don't know how in the world I can do this. You know, maybe it's talk to somebody about something I don't feel like I can do. Be a witness to me. Maybe it's to, to give away some money. I don't know how I could do that. It's to, whatever it is. I, you know, change your job. Move to another part of the world. Become a missionary. I don't know how to do this. I don't have the, the wherewithal in myself to do it. Here's where the power of God comes into play. It's when you say, this is what he says to do, and I don't think I have the strength to do it. I don't know how to do it. God, I'm going to trust you, and I take a step to do it. And his power and strength comes online and enables me to do. And it may be one step at a time, but he enables me, and that's how we experience his power. It's like in the Old Testament when Israel had been in the wilderness for 40 years and they're getting ready to come into the promised land and they get there and they, the Jordan River is at flood stage. It's huge and deep and rushing fast. And How in the world are they going to get across it? And, and God tells them, and through Joshua, he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. We're going to put the priest with the ark and which is a picture of the presence of God, but we're going to just go down to the water and we're going to cross. Well, how are we going to cross? We're going to cross. I don't, we're going to do what God says. And it says, as the, the priest got there, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and they came up to the river, and as the closer they got, and nothing changed, nothing changed, nothing changed, and they're right here. And it says, then when they stepped, and it says, when the soles of their feet hit the water, God parted. The river. And see, that's where we are in life. You want to experience the power of God. You want your life to be lived the way God says it's supposed to be lived. And, and you find some of these situations, you're going to have to step in. And when you do, God will not let you down. And you may do this. You may go, uh, <laughs> that's all right. Okay, let's go back. But you know what I mean? We're going to keep working. We're going to trust God and we will experience his power at work in our lives. And that brings us to the final thing here. He says, it's about our gratitude. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. This idea of qualified. But giving thanks to God for this. He has qualified us. What does that mean? I used to, uh, I've been involved in, in teaching homeschoolers how speech skills and debate, and there are competitions that they can be involved in. I've been to a lot of competitions with them. And what happens, you have all the, the preliminary rounds, and then you come to the end of that, and then you get to, uh, uh, they gather everybody together, and then they announce who has qualified for the next round, for like the quarterfinals or the semifinals. And these kids sweat bullets. I mean, and they work so hard. And I want to say to you that that is not what this is about. It isn't about you working to be qualified and trying to somehow. No, it says, who qualified us? God did. It's about, I'm trying to, I was trying to think of a good example of this. Let's just say that, that Robert Kraft, owner of the Patriots, Somehow you run into him and talk to him and he says, you know what? 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something for you. From now on, for the rest of your life, whenever you want, you have a standing invitation to every home game. You want to come, I'm going to send a car to pick you up. And I have a special lane that when the traffic gets bad, they can just go down. They'll drop you off right at the front door. When you go up to the suite, and the suite is beautiful. There's all the food you can eat, desserts, beverages, huge glass wall with big TVs and everything. So you can go and enjoy the game. Now, I don't know about you, I could never afford to do that. I don't even know what it would cost. Oh, by the way, they'll take you home after the game, same way. You can avoid all the traffic. Um, but when you're there, and you're sitting there, and you look around, you, you, you might think, how did I get here? What am I doing here? But when I say something, we ought, you should change your thinking at that point. No, I belong here. Because somebody paid for it for me. It's all paid for. I'm not here when I ought not be. I'm qualified to be here. And I want you to know that when we're talking about eternity in heaven with the Lord or a place of blessing in your life where God is working, don't feel like, oh, I don't deserve this. I, no, God has what? He has qualified you. He has made you qualified. Think about this. He qualified us. He removed our sin debt. Removed. As far as the east is from the west, right? Buried in the depths of the deepest sea. He has removed our sin debt. He made a profound change in our very nature. Remember, we were spiritually dead and he made us spiritually alive and moved in and changed us. And we're talking about amazing grace that has changed our lives. Let's just sing that. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Do we have something to be grateful for? Amen. Giving thanks to the Lord who has qualified us to, to partake of all that he has for us. And the Bible, I mean, I think the sense is this too. Gratitude, if you get a hold of that, will change your life. It'll change how you see life. It'll change how you interact with people. It'll change how you respond to the circumstances of your life. It'll just change so much when you become a grateful person. And that's what God wants your life, that's what he says your life is about, being grateful. So, what is your life about? These four things, it's about his purposes. It's about his pleasure. It's about his power, and it's about our gratitude. And I'd say to you that when we get a hold of this and begin living this way more and more and more, that you will discover that uh, his purposes will be the greatest projects you will ever work on. And, and you'll see that his pleasure, his smile will be your greatest reward. And, and that his power will be the most exhilarating thing you will ever experience as he works in you and through you and outward into the world. And the world gets to see God in you because of his power at work. And our gratitude, when you get this, let me say it this way it will be the greatest life hack you've ever learned. 
And I mean that in a God-honoring way. It will. I have one more question to ask you. But let's pray first. Father, thank you for these things that we've seen. Thank you that you've called us into these, your purposes and to bring you pleasure and to uh, live by means of your power and to be grateful and we're, that you've told us what our lives are about. I pray we would say yes to that and, and begin to, in, in a way resting in you, work to bring our lives into alignment with that. I pray if somebody doesn't know you here today, Lord, or watching this, that, that they would reach out and we can help them to have a personal relationship with you through Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So we talked last week about, you know, who are you and what is your life about today? I want to ask you, so who is your life about? And I'm, I'm just saying this to you today because uh, we're going to talk about it next week, but there's, there's some really serious, sometimes sinister competition for who your life is about, Okay? All right, God bless you. Go out and live this week. Let Jesus have the preeminence in your life. And we're going to start our Bible study in about 20 minutes or so. And so I hope you can stay. And I said it last week, I hope you stay. I hope you stay. All right, God bless you. You're, you can go.